what I found fascinating as I was thinking about this Christmas season is this, and I was thinking about the mega cavern, is isn't it funny that 2,000 years later, thousands of people are still rushing to a cave to find the light. See, that's the Christmas story, that the light came into the darkness and the world has been changed ever since. This is the beauty of Christmas. This is what we celebrate. This is why we have joy in the midst of our darkness because Jesus, the light of the world, stepped in to our world. And really, this is what we celebrate at Christmas is this, that God works in the dark. God works in the dark. Matter of fact, I think that could be one word that we could summarize 2020 by is this idea of, man, if you could summarize 2020, you'd say, boy, this has kind of been a dark year. It's been a heavy year. I came across uh, some funny photos uh, this week as I was preparing, and somebody said this, if uh, 2020 was an ice cream cone, this is what it would look like. And uh, I was cracking up looking at it like, yeah, yeah, that kind of looks like an ice cream cone that's 2020. Or uh, if you're, you know, if you're out buying Christmas ornaments, I found this to be funny for 2020. It said this, here's a Christmas ornament for 2020, just a straight up dumpster fire. And I'm going, everybody knows this year has been dark. It's been heavy. It's been emotional. And this is why we need Christmas, because God works in the dark. This is the whole story of Christmas. Even in Genesis, when God created the world, he said this. It said that the world was empty and formless and dark. And then God said, let there be light. Let there be light in the midst of the darkness. Let there be light so that the world can take shape. Actually, this is why John, in the book of John, writes what he writes when he begins his letter to remind the people that God is doing a new work in the midst of the darkness. And it is through Jesus. Listen what John says. This is Jesus's best friend. This is what he writes to us today at Christmas. He says, in the beginning, you hear that Genesis language? In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, talking about Jesus, and the word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Everything has been made through Jesus. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Another translation says this, that the darkness has not overcome it. See, at Christmas, what we know about Jesus is this, the light has stepped in to the darkness. See, God is always at work. He's always at work in the darkness. Sometimes in the dark moments of our life, we feel like, God, where are you? You feel like you might be in a cave all alone. I'm in here, there's no cell phone reception. You can't text anybody, you can't call anybody. You feel isolated. But what we find is this, throughout the entire Bible, God is always working in the dark. He's always taking dark situations and redeeming them with his light and his grace. Literally, ever since the beginning, even when Adam and Eve sinned, God was working on a plan to bring Jesus into the world. You see this with Noah and the ark. He was using Noah in the midst of a dark circumstance when the world was full of sin to save it and begin a new way for humanity to live. You saw it in the life of uh, Abraham when God raised him up to say, I'm gonna bless you so you can be a blessing to the world. So in the midst of our 
darkest moments, we will experience the blessing of God. You see this in the life of Joseph in Genesis, where his brothers put him and sell him into slavery, and yet God redeems it. And in Genesis, at the end of that book, what we find is this, Joseph saying, what men intended for harm and evil, God intended for good. See, God is a God who works in the dark. You, you know the story of Jonah in the Old Testament, where God is trying to rescue Nineveh, a city who has gone dark and turned their back and don't wanna follow God. And God's going, even though you don't wanna follow me, I want you to know me and have a relationship with me. And he wants to send Jonah to give them light, to give them hope. And Jonah doesn't want it. And if you know that story about Jonah, he ends up three days in the belly of a whale. But it's in that dark place in the whale that Jonah begins to experience the light. And his life turns around because God is a God who works in the dark. You know, it's fascinating even about the life of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit conceived him in Mary's womb, what we find about Jesus is this. His first nine months is spent in the dark. His first nine months of his life is sitting there in Mary's womb, being formed and growing. And what we know about Jesus is this, this is the way he works. He steps into our darkness and he brings us a great light. In John chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus makes it clear why he's come into the darkness. Listen to what he says. This is in John chapter 12, verse 46. He says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. This is the beauty of Jesus. He's saying, not only have I come to be with you in your darkness, I've come to pull you out of your darkness. This is what the light of the world has come to do. And all he says is this, for you and I to believe in him, the light of the world. I got a question for you this Christmas. In the midst of everything that's going on, what darkness do you find yourself in that Jesus, the light of the world, wants to pull you out of. No matter what you're facing, the light of the world has stepped in to our cave, into our brokenness, and has come to rescue us. For the past eight or nine weeks, this little guy has been a part of our family. Every Friday, our family gets together and we watch the next episode of The Mandalorian. And maybe you know him as Baby Yoda or The Child or Grogu, whatever his name is now. You know, and you don't need to be a Star Wars junkie, but the whole premise of Baby Yoda is this. He has a power that no one else has. And everybody wants to get their hands on this power because whoever has the power in their hands can do whatever they want. But see, that's the problem with all of us. None of us, because we're all broken, none of us can handle a power that's outside of us. There's only one that can, and it's Jesus. And this is why God sends his son into the world. 
He knows we're broken. He knows we have trouble holding all things together. He knows that all of us have sinned and fallen short of his glory. And so he sends the child. Matter of fact, Isaiah chapter nine, 700 years before Jesus is born, the prophet Isaiah said that there was gonna be this child who would come and he would be able to hold the power and to redeem all of humanity and to reorder the world. See, that's what Jesus is doing at Christmas. He is reordering the world around himself and through his grace and mercy. And listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter nine. It says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. See, Jesus can hold all things together. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And then catch this, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. See, for unto us a child is born, unto us the one who is the power, for one who is literally God himself has come to be with us. This changes everything for us. Oftentimes we're trying to get power, we're trying to keep power, and we're trying to hold on to things at all costs. And at that moment, God is saying, no, it's not about you trying to keep your hand on power. It's about receiving the one who is all powerful, who is our Prince of Peace. This is the beauty of Jesus. He is the one who changes everything. Matter of fact, what's fascinating is this, growing up, uh, I didn't really know how to fix a lot of things, and so I got assigned the duty to hold the flashlight when someone would come and work on something at our house. And even now, that's still my role. When something's broken, I call somebody and I'm the professional flashlight holder. And there is nothing more powerless feeling than that, right? Not being able to fix anything, just holding on to the light. The only thing is this, Jesus is saying this, to every area of our life that we're trying to fix, to every thought we're trying to redeem, to every bitterness that we hold on to, every time we try to fix and save and change ourselves, Jesus says, can you just do this? Instead of you trying to fix yourself, can you just hold on to the light? Can you just hold on to this power? You don't have to create your power. You don't have to manufacture your own power. All I need you to do is this. Would you just hold on to the light? because God is always working in our darkness. And what's, what I love so much is there at the end of that passage in verse seven, it says this, that the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The power, the passion, the ability of God to rescue us in our darkness will accomplish this. See, God is always at work in our darkness. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is this, it's not just that the light of the world has stepped into our darkness, it's that the light of the world stepped out of the darkness of the tomb on that third day as well. 
See, when Jesus not only came here as God as a baby, but when he went to the cross to take away the sins of the world and he was in the tomb for three days, when he stepped out of that darkness, he brought and reordered a light and a power in this world that none of us, none of us can create. All we can do is hold on to. What happens is this, when we hold on to that light, it begins to change us from the inside out. It begins to change us on how we view the world. It begins to allow us to live with this true peace from him, with this true hope and a love and a grace that none of us can create on our, on our own. Matter of fact, I love this quote. This quote is from John Keith Faulkner, and he talks about what the light did to his life when it came into him. And he says this, he says, I have one candle of life to burn and I'd rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than a land flooded with light. See, what happens is when the light comes into our life and it truly changes us and we hold on to it with all that we are, all we begin to do is to bring more light into the world. And can we be honest? We can all look around and go, that is what the world desperately needs right now. It's light, it's hope. It's grace, it's mercy, it's forgiveness, it's peace. And your light, the savior of the world, is here. I wanna share a story with a friend of mine who lived his life choosing to follow what he thought was the light of the world until he encountered darkness. And as God is always faithful, God worked in the dark. And now a new light is here. Take a listen to Grant's story right now. I think the biggest thing about me that most people would know me for is basketball. It did its best to keep me out of trouble. Um, but it was, it was everything. There was nothing like hearing your name called and running out onto the court to, to start a game. So I had a variety of schools looking at me and Quincy University stepped in and offered a partial scholarship to start. And so then I got the nod to become the starting point guard for a Division II program that I was overly excited about. And so that quickly turned into partying after the games, um, doing things that I probably shouldn't have been doing. I didn't go to church. I didn't read scripture. I didn't go to any events. I went there to play basketball and have fun. And so I began to realize that was the one thing I left out. And my sophomore year, I found a church I got connected and knew that's, that's what I wanted. And so I took this surface level faith through conversation, through understanding and made it my own. And then that's that spring semester in 2014, I got baptized. So to me, that was the first time publicly people knew I was a Christian. And the very first practice of my senior year I blew my knee out completely. When I got the news that it was a season-ending injury, I was, I was derailed. 
I, I struggled, I was challenged, but deep down I knew there was something bigger. And so I hung on. And then in April of 2016, um, my mom had passed away unexpectedly. She was my number one fan. She drove almost everywhere to be at a game. And at that point, I did not remain strong. I did not remain faithful. The anchor that I had spent building and driving home over the last two and a half years was uprooted entirely. There was a lot of darkness among that, but ultimately his light shone through. It was people that knew Jesus, that shared with me the book of Job, that shared with me scripture, that spoke life into me of being someone who is strong and who is courageous to get through this. I think darkness will always make its way in. Uh, in my life, darkness was being injured when I had no control over it. Darkness is feeling as if you can be your own savior. Darkness is searching for the wrong answers and finding those answers in the wrong places. If we choose to see it, there is light as well. And light can come from a conversation with a complete stranger. Light can come from getting healed emotionally or physically. And so my life today looks a lot like working hard to build my business, to create an impact in our community, to be a mentor to young men and help them see how to become adults, uh, how to be responsible. And so helping others see the light is a reward because of what I've seen it do in my own life.